We're including two scripture lessons in our order of service this morning. The first of which comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah and those words were written over 500 years before Jesus was born. They were directed to the descendants of the people of Israel who were returning to the homeland after many, many years of exile. And what they found in their homeland was great devastation. So there needed to be so much building and renewal that the prophet Isaiah wanted to offer words of encouragement. The second scripture lesson that we're including is from the gospel according to Matthew. It's a story about the Magi who traveled a very long way to visit the infant Jesus. And it is highly possible that they read that passage from the book of Isaiah and were inspired by it. So first of all, a reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 60, verses one through 12. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. And a reading from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter two, verses one through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, where is the child who's been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. 
Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. In the name of God, the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. There was a time, not so long ago, when we depended heavily on maps. Not the maps that you can pull up on a phone or on a screen in your car. I'm talking about the paper kind of maps. You used to be able to get these from AAA, and when you unfolded them, they seemed to go on forever. The print was so tiny you could barely read it, but this is how we used to get around with the help of those maps. When I was in college, traveling around the country a little bit, I'd usually leave from my destination with only an address and one of those maps. If I was traveling alone, I'd spread it out in the passenger seat of the car, occasionally have to pull over to try to figure out where I was going, usually got lost. That was part of the adventure. Sometimes have to get out of the car and show the map to a perfect stranger and see if we could figure it out together. So I actually found it comforting when I came across an article recently indicating that the Magi, for all their wisdom, had gotten lost on their journey to see Jesus. Now, this article is by an Old Testament scholar named Walter Brueggemann. I love the title of the article. It's called Off by Nine Miles. Nine miles, that's, that's a pretty big distance to be off. Walter Brueggemann says that obviously the Magi were following a star, but they needed something to supplement the star because that wasn't giving them all the travel information that they needed. So they had come across an ancient text in a sacred book from, from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now this text had been written hundreds of years before they lived, but it talked about a special time in the life of Jerusalem, when Jerusalem was going to be rebuilt after a period of great devastation. And this text was encouraging those who were involved in the project to raise their faces up to the stars and to have a sense of a new light coming into their world, maybe a light like a star. So you can see how the Magi put these two things together. Now, obviously, those words were spoken to Jews in Jerusalem over 500 years before the birth of Jesus. So the Magi probably figured that this baby was going to be born in Jerusalem. So that's where they went when they wanted to worship this infant Jesus, when they wanted to find him, present their gifts to him. So when they arrived in Jerusalem, by this time very excited uh, by their journey, they still needed a little help to get all the way to the final point of their destination. So it made sense for them to reach out to the foremost authority of the region. And that would have been the king, one Herod by name. But one big problem with that connection. First of all, Herod didn't know what they were talking about. I don't think Herod was very big on ancient sacred texts and I don't think he spent much time looking at the stars. So all of this was news to him. He was probably the last person to ask about this because also he could have cared less about any other king, especially a little baby king born in his kingdom. So Herod didn't know what they were talking about. You could just you kind of imagine him trying to think this through, baby 
King Jerusalem, no, doesn't ring a bell. So he left the Magi somewhere in his court palace and he went to consult his court theologians. Do you know what these people are talking about? He must have asked them. Well, guess what? They did. And even better, they had a more accurate roadmap. They said to the king, it's not Jerusalem where this baby is going to be born. It's Bethlehem. That's going to be the child's hometown because they had another ancient sacred text, that one from the book of the prophet Micah, that was a more accurate indicator of where the child was going to be born. In other words, to quote the title of Walter Brueggemann's article, the Magi were off by nine miles, that being the distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. So the king gathered the Magi together and he set them straight and deceitful and paranoid and jealous as he was, he then tried to enlist them in a plot. While patting them on their heads, he sent them off with a command. He said, make sure when you find him to bring me word so that I can worship him too. Yeah, right. Well, the king could have cared less. He had only one intention for this little infant and it wasn't a good one. Well, thank God the Magi were comfortable with civil disobedience because they went to the infant Jesus and they worshiped him and they gave him their gifts. But then they were warned in a dream not to listen to Herod, not to obey his command, and they went home by another route. You could say that they risked their lives twice on behalf of the infant Jesus. First of all, just taking such a long journey to get to him with all of the risks that were part of that, but also disobeying Herod, which allowed protection uh, to take place for the, the life of the Holy Family. So, so what? The Magi were a little off, nine miles, give or take. Why bother? Why include that detail in the story? Why not just have the Magi going straight to Bethlehem without all this other um, stuff before it. Well, here's what I think. Whoever wrote this story wanted us to see that to be human is to go off course from time to time. Now, sometimes by, it's by nine miles and sometimes it's by a much bigger distance than that. Sometimes we miss our goals and we have to regroup. Sometimes we learn that we have brushed against danger, like coming into contact with someone like Herod, but don't even know it. And sometimes we receive a lot of help from unexpected places and people. Whoever wrote this story wanted us to read it with imagination, to marvel at the expenditure of energy of these foreigners who traveled so far to make their visit, to wince at their decision to reach out to Herod. No, don't go to him hold our breath as we watch them stand speechless before the infant Jesus, having finally arrived at their journey, which of course is one of the great feelings in life, to finally get to our destination. And then of course to watch them as they enjoy a few brief moments of communion with this child and his family. It's a story about people who took incredible risks to accomplish their mission. And I'm thinking about all the people 
in the past two years who've taken risks like that, all the first responders and medical caregivers, healthcare attendants across the world who've cared for people who've become ill with COVID-19. This story about the Magi is about people who took wrong turns along the way, perhaps as researchers and scientists have done these past two years, seeking for a vaccine, looking to update vaccines, maybe meeting with dead ends and then having to start all over again. And as the Magi were helped in the most mysterious ways, as with Herod, who actually helped them to get the last nine miles of their journey, haven't there been times when we've been helped and supported in the most amazing ways during the past two years? Kindnesses done for us by strangers, unexpected notes from friends, phone calls, emails, the way we've, people have reached out to one another and shown such care and kindness and compassion. The journey of the Magi is about the intermingling of human life on the one hand and something intangible and indispensable on the other, what another Old Testament scholar named Samuel Terrien used to call the elusive presence. Now here's a fun fact about the story related to the Magi. There's not really any mention of the divine in this story except for the presence of an angel. This story doesn't have any explicit reference to God and yet you get the sense that it is constantly informed by the power and presence of unseen hands. So the journey of the Magi becomes, from my perspective, a story about two very different kinds of power. On the one hand, it's about the power to search and to be open for truth and to let go of some of our accepted, familiar, unquestioned ways of looking at the world and to open ourselves to a whole new journey. This, I think, is what the Magi must have done. It is, of course, also a story about the power to lie and deceive and destroy, and that's embodied in the character of Herod, who had no good intentions for the infant Jesus. And so this story suggests that we all have this power to choose all the time power to bless or the power to treat others with something less than a blessing? How will we use the power available to us as we look out at a whole new year? Every day, we can make decisions that magnify the goodness in other people or in some ways diminish it. We can encourage people with our words and our actions or we can discourage them. And sometimes it only takes a few moments of consciousness of conscious reflection to make that decision, but it can make a world of difference for other people. Once the Magi finally got on the right track, they made it to their destination. They did what they set out to do. They brought their gifts and they worshiped this baby. And I think these are two beautiful moments of spiritual life. Part of it is bringing the substance of who we are to bring gladness and hope into someone else's life, but also not forgetting to bring ourselves, our hearts and our bodies and our spirits to the well-being of other people. To worship as those magi did, it's to show reverence. It's to experience or express a certain kind of humility. It's to be open to mystery in another person, the divine and the human perfectly joined together. 
As a sign of their reverence, the Magi wanted to leave something with the infant Jesus to say to him and his family that they were loved, that they were cherished, that they were treated as treasure. So they presented him with some wonderful, but also some kind of odd and, uh, and precious gifts. Gold and frankincense and myrrh, not exactly the gifts that I would associate with a baby, but nevertheless, those were the gifts they gave, a little odd, a little wonderful. Sometimes those are the best gifts of all. And that's what Jim Howell realized. When Jim was about to leave a congregation that he had served for 12 years, one of the men in that congregation who was one of the strong leaders in that church came to him and clearly this man wanted to give Jim a gift. And so as they were parting with each other, this man reached down into his overalls. He was a farmer and he produced a pocket knife, well used, well worn. It had clearly been something that he had used often over the years. And he gave this pocket knife to the pastor, to Jim, and he said, when things get tough for you, reach down into your pocket and hold that knife. And he said, remember that there's somebody who loves you. Remember that there's someone who always loves you. Now, Jim says that a pocket knife was not high on the list of gifts he dreamt of receiving when he left that congregation any more than a baby might have had immediate use for gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But all these things, when they're given in the right spirit, can be ways of saying, remember, there's somebody out there who loves you. And maybe years and years down the road when Jesus grew up and remembered this story, maybe he thought of those magi in a far country and thought of them and their great love for him, that they traveled all that way to show that love. And just think of all the people in the world who've traveled some distance to show us love and support and care and how we can do the same for others. For me, the message of the Magi is to give ourselves to the world as they gave themselves to the Christ child, to care for those in need of our support, to refuse cooperation with those who would use their power to harm or hurt, to listen to the angels, to protect the vulnerable. If we can live in the present with those values, then I think the future will take care of itself. And a most blessed new year to each and every one of you. Amen.